Hello, 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 and welcome to Degree of Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. I appreciate you rocking with me as always. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts at, whether it's uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, still not on Apple Music yet, still waiting on that one. But uh, again, appreciate you guys rocking with me. We are into week number two here. I'm excited, as always. You know, I'm an excitable person. It doesn't take much to get me excited. Uh, but yeah, we're in the week number two here, so it's going to be cool. Got a lot to talk about here today. Uh, it's been a got through the weekend, first of all. Let me just let me just start off with that. I got through the weekend. The weekend was a billion degrees outside. Uh, I was in front of my AC probably the entire weekend. I uh, got a chance to hang out with some cool people. Was uh, out and about in my uh, in my town that I live in. Uh, hit a couple bars up. It was nice. It was a nice weekend. Uh, didn't do much until the sun went down. Uh, so my girlfriend got home from her Honduras uh, missionary trip, so that's also really nice. So she's home safe and sound. Uh, actually going to go over and uh, hang out with her later tonight to kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that went on with the trip and uh, get some more insight, see some photos, some videos. It was actually pretty cool. So I actually thought it was a, a cool thing. I'm glad she got back there and back safely. Uh, you know, I got a week to myself, so <laughs> um, don't worry. I'll edit that one out, babe. Um, but yeah, I got a week to myself, so it was pretty cool. Uh, but touching on some things, I want to get straight to what's going on in the sports world, as we like to do here on Degree of Difficulty. Um, one thing that came up out of not really the blue. I feel like every time he does something like this, it's not out of the blue, but it's enough in the spotlight where or some so much stuff is going on that when he does stuff like this that it just it's 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 putting the spotlight back on him and the him I am referring to in this situation is Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. Now, if you are a Giant fan, I am sorry uh from the bottom of my heart. Uh it actually feels kind of weird being the uh, number 1 team in New York. Like I it's um uh, pretty pretty uh my shoulders hurt a little bit as a New York Jet fan, but uh, as a Giant fan, as my brother, as I've alluded to before, my brother and a couple other uh, of my close friends are are big, big Giant fans. Odell Beckham Jr. has always been a bit of a mystery in the way that uh, he is looked at and handled by some of the some of the Giant fans that I know. And I, I think back to what one of my brothers said. One of my brothers says, like, you love him when he's doing great on the field, but you just you're cursing him in the sex. Like, oh my he has the great saying of Odell giveth and Odell taketh away. <laughs> and that is Odell Beckham Jr. during his stint with the New York Giants was very polarizing in so many different ways. On the football field, he is one of the best wide receivers in the game of football. When healthy, for a long time, I did say when healthy, he was the best wide receiver in the NFL. I've taken a couple steps back from that because of some guy down in Houston, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's an absolute monster. So I still think Odell, when healthy, is a top three wide receiver in the, in the NFL. He's just that doggone good. But his time with the Giants was so... Just up and down and ridiculous. It was like watching a, a horrible relationship just kind of deteriorate. At the at its height, it was amazing. It was it was the catch on Monday Night Football, which Chris Collinsworth still has one of the, my favorite personal uh, calls from that because Chris Collinsworth literally said what we were all thinking. Did he really just catch that? Like, whoa, that that might be the greatest catch I've ever seen. So. There's a lot to unpack there with Odell, but the thing that he's done, the latest thing he's done, because you know there's a slew of things, is the G. He went on G two, not G two, <laughs> G two, GQ 
excuse me, GQ, and was talking about uh, really his time with the with the with the Giants, his time in New York, uh, how he felt with the trade. He went about saying that he felt disrespected by the organization for trading him, and how it was his star that was basically keeping the Giants in the limelight. And I mean that part, I definitely agree with him because. At one point in the article, he says that the Giants were, you know, 5'11", but somehow still getting primetime games. Why is that? It was definitely – I now, I'm saying this. It definitely wasn't because of an aging, ancient Eli Manning who can't, you know, move around in the pocket, although those memes were amazing of him getting picked up off the ground. It Saquon Barkley, yes, is, is, an, is an amazing talent, but to the average – casual NFL fan or even casual football fan I should say they don't really know who Saquon Barkley is but everybody in pop culture because of the pop culture things that he does knows who Odell Beckham Jr. is whether it's him you know dancing on on Instagram or being roommates with Drake or whatever it may be he's a bigger star outside of just what he does on the football field which is already amazing so him saying that already kind of got my attention and said like you know he might not be too too wrong with that one, but him coming out and saying that you know he felt disrespected about being traded and he had all these uh, all these ideas about you know how the Giants really handled him and handled the trade. I it's it's tough for me to kind of look at it because for several reasons. One, I'm not Odell Beckham Jr. Don't run a four four. Not not happening. Can't. I used to be able to dunk. I used to be able to run a four six. That was about uh, 10 years and about 75 pounds ago. <laughs> so, yeah, can't do any of those things. And is the way that – so I don't have the perspective that he has. I wasn't in the room. I'm looking on the outside. I'm on the outside looking in. But I still have to say that this is how the NFL works. The NFL is a front office and owner-run league. The players – Really, outside of maybe Tom Brady and a few others, Drew Brees, aka quarterbacks, outside of you know successful quarterbacks, the NFL is a league where the owners and the general managers in the front office run the show. And for him to say like you know he felt disrespected because he had done all these things for the Giants and et cetera, et cetera. Like, like let's slow your roll a little bit here, Odell. The Giants have been to the playoffs what one time in the in the in the time he was there. He was drafted in 2014, and they went to the playoffs once. And and during that time, during that playoff run, it was the infamous uh the the, the goat the goat the uh, boat photo that they took when they were like on the boat with Trey Songs and and it was like at the beginning of the week before the big playoff game. And Odell played terrible in the playoff game. And to give him credit, he did talk about how bad he played in the playoff game in the GQ article and he said you know that's that's on me I didn't play well but he still looked at the situation and saying hey you know I did so much for this organization I did so much for the Giants but you're not going to get a farewell send-off here this is what I'm saying farewell send-offs are are specifically catered for the guys like Peyton Manning the guys like Tom Brady the guys like Drew Brees guys like Aaron Rodgers those kind of guys are the guys that get the big pomp and circumstance, you know, kind of send off. And Odell's not that kind of guy. Odell's, especially during his time in New York, it was so, it was so just so tumultuous. There was so much crap going on when Odell was there. And, and I've, like I said, I've always been a big fan of how he plays on the field because he's, he is very exciting to watch every time he touches the football. He has the chance to go for six every time he touches the football, but all the extra crap that he does on the outside, is just not, 
worth the headache in a lot of ways. I really don't think it's worth the headache in a lot of ways. But he talked about how he was even getting ready to step away from the game. Now, this is something that I I found very interesting was because of the unhappiness of the situation he had with the Giants that he talked about stepping away from the game. And he talked about, you know, I don't know if I really have to do this. And as I said, looking at the article here, one of the big things you talked about when it came to being disrespected said my initial reaction was that I was disappointed and then I felt disrespected um we was talking about the trade like after everything I've done for them this is me being honest this team has not been good for the last six years period even the year we went to the playoffs and everyone was talking about this and that and we went there and I didn't have a great playoff game and like I said he alludes to the fact that he played horrible in that playoff game Talked about how he only had, I believe, seven targets in that game. But still, it was a bad showing. And on top of the fact that the photo, the the photo of them on the boat, and they were, like, on the boat, and nobody had a shirt on, and Sterling Shepard was there, too. And, like I said, R&B singer Trey Songs was there. And it just, and it was, you know, four, no, I wouldn't say four or five. It was, like, maybe six days, five, six days before, six, seven days, I should say, before they have to play in an NFL playoff game. And they got killed in that playoff game. I got to double check and see who they played, but I remember he just didn't have a good playoff game. He didn't have a good playoff game. They didn't have a it was it was a lot of, oh well, what would have happened if they didn't, you know, they didn't go on that boat. But Odell had other th- Odell had other things going on while he was there. He did. He had other things. He had the the touchdown celebrations. He had him kicking the 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 or fighting, I should say. I think he was trying to fight the doggone thing. Fight the the kicker, the kicking net and just his comments is in the way he went about things. And yes, I get being passionate. I be, be I get being a guy that loves to when he touched on that too, saying like, you know, when Tom Brady because it, it turned into a race conversation too, because he said when Tom Brady does these things, he's passionate because he's a white quarterback. When I do these things as a as a black wide receiver, it's looked at as, oh, I'm I'm being a diva, I'm being a brat, I'm being all these things. To be honest with you, there is some there is some real substance in that conversation at times, but I don't think it is with with Odell. I do get having that fiery intensity, but you don't got to act like a jackass, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, I, and I'm sorry he did. There was plenty of times where I thought that Odell Beckham Jr., for all his greatness on the field, he was, he was an ass. And I think that him being – in Cleveland, in the situation where he's at now, and he talked, he talked about, it. he touched on the fact that you know he's happy where he is, he's in the best mood he's been in the last like three or four years, whatever it might be. But him being in Cleveland is going to be a perfect storm scenario. You got a guy like Baker Mayfield who's there, who is outspoken in himself as your quarterback. You got your 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 best friend from college. Even I think they've been they him and Jarvis Landry have known each other for since they were in high school. So you got your best friend in the entire really maybe even entire world next to Drizzy Drake <laughs> in the entire NFL at least on the team with you. And so it's like, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm thing. And I and I hope Odell has a good season. I hope the Browns have a good season, you know, outside of the week they got to play the Jets. But I do. I think that the Browns are set up to have a very solid season. And if Odell goes up and, you know, has another great year like he's had in the past, then I'm all for it. But this goes right back. This is up there with that that interview he did with Lil Wayne. And he was on ESPN. He was talking about Eli. And it, it's just unnecessary, dude. Like, it is. It's unnecessary. And this is, it's stuff like this that gets people talking about Odell outside of what he can bring to the table 
on the football field. He's a he's a diva wide receiver. The NFL is known for diva wide receivers. We all know Terrell Owens doing push-ups. We all remember him doing push-ups in his driveway after getting kicked out of practice. Uh, Randy Moss mooning the field, uh, mooning the fan at Lambeau Field during the playoff game. Like they these are diva wide receivers. Just everything Anthony Antonio Brown does, everything he does. So these are diva wide receivers, and that is a thing that the NFL has always had to deal with. Well, I won't say always, but this is a thing they've had to deal with within the last 20 years a lot more than they probably had to before then because jerry rice was a star wide receiver jerry rice was very uh outside of on the field trash talk or on the field vocal jerry rice is very you know put together individual not saying these guys aren't put together but if jerry rice wasn't going out and you know hanging out with like mc hammer and stuff that's you know Dion Dion sanders was but not jerry rice and so when it comes to odell beckham and some of the comments that he made I just look at it like, dude, it's in the past. Like, I get GQ wants to do a nice spread for you, so good for GQ. But other than that, dude, it's in the past. You got a football season to get ready to play for. Like, training camp opened up this week, which I'm really excited about. Jets, please sign Quentin Williams. But it it is. It's like it's already done. Get off, get off it. Forget it. It happened. Unless you play the Giants in the Super Bowl, that is the only time where I want to hear anything about, oh, my time with the Giants. Like, it's over with. I get you want to hear some people want to hear about what really happened, but we're never going to get the true story because Dave Gettleman's never going to tell us the true story. And and we're never going to get the true story of what actually happened behind those closed doors. And, and we've already know how terrible Dave Gettleman has looked over this offseason, whether it was trading Odell, whether it was drafting Daniel Jones, whether it was just doing things that are going to make the Giants really a seller team for at least the next year or two and the whole potential of wasting Saquon Barkley's prime years is hanging over his head as well as coach Pat Shermer and I mean the Giants are a mess right now and do I think that it'll help them get better getting rid of a personality like Odell Beckham Jr. on the field absolutely not because he's a top three in my opinion wide receiver in the NFL but in the locker room will that help the team chemistry a little bit possibly because like I said Odell is a double-edged sword. Odell giveth and Odell taketh away. And he right now is just twisting that last little knife into the New York Giants just to make sure he says, hey, guys, in case you were wondering, I didn't like playing here. Another thing I wanted to touch on, guys, while uh, guys and gals, I'll say that, you know. This is a degree of difficulty. We do not discriminate. <laughs> but well, no, seriously, one thing I wanted to touch on here was uh, something that is a trend that I'm starting to become a little bit fearful of when it comes to uh, the FIBA, FIBA excuse me, World Cup uh, basketball tournament that's getting ready to come up. I'm already a little bit concerned about it. Uh, several players have already come out and said that they are not going to be playing, including Anthony Davis, James Harden, Eric Gordon, CJ McCollum, and now latest Bradley Beal. Um, we're going to touch on Bradley Beal uh, later a little bit during this segment, too, because he just got offered. He didn't sign, but he got offered a new contract extension. But when it comes to this World Cup situation and a buddy of mine on uh, on Twitter had said something about this, that as a matter of fact, let me pull up. Let me pull out his tweet. Um He's a buddy of mine. I've known him since actually we, we played football together in high school and you know we've been we've been really good friends for for a couple of years now and he he's got a lot of good talking points but this is one that stood out to me and uh I will definitely give him credit what credit is due so thank you Chuck. But no, it's it's the God's honest truth and he talked about how certain players are starting to hesitate going to play 
in um in the in the US for the US in these tournaments and he said I remember being very young in the US were dominant in international play that nobody wanted to be on the team then it became cool again and spots were scarce now nobody wants to play again what's going on that's the uh the friend, family friendly version of the end of his comment because this is a family friendly podcast but seriously he's got a point like what is going on and I think back to 2004, the the terrible team that was in 2004 that went and got a bronze medal in the Olympics. And if you look at the players that were on that team, talent-wise, that team was, wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And half of the reason why is because LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony were both coming off, and Dwayne Wade, they were both coming off their first seasons in the NBA. So they weren't the absolute, you know, superstars that they would end up becoming and Hall of Famers that they would end up becoming. But you had other guys on that team. Like, I believe Emeka Okafor was on that team. Carlos Boozer was on that team. Oh, my goodness. Who else was on that team? Let me look at, Let me look that up right now because that team was very – Unreal. It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't look like a U.S. team. Let me put it that way. It didn't look like a U.S. team that went out there. And I mean, they went three and two in the in the playing state in the group stages anyway. And when was the last time that happened? I mean, and after that, it was a whole big mess because it was the first time since they allowed for pro players in 1992 with the Dream Team. It was the first time that they allowed for pro players to go, and they ended up coming back without the gold medal. And that team was. That team was, was difficult, and the, the the one thing I remember about that that stood out to me was the fact that so many players didn't want to go. Um, so many players like Shaq didn't want to go. I believe Tim Duncan came out and said, no, no, was Tim Duncan on that team? I got to double check. Let me look up that, Rod, because I, I remember Shaq said he didn't want to go. I remember that uh, uh, several other players. So, yeah, Tim Duncan was. Okay, I got the roster right here. So, no, Tim Duncan was on that team. I'll put it that Tim Duncan was the captain of that team. So, we had Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Dwayne Wade, Carlos Boozer, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Emeka Okafor, Sean Marion, uh, Amari Stoudemire, Tim Duncan was the captain, Lamar Odom, Richard Jefferson. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, you got Duncan's a Hall of Famer, Allen Iverson's a Hall of Famer, and then we already know about Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. But it wasn't like a team that we would normally send. I mean, we had the Dream Team in 92, Dream Team 2 in 96, Vince Carter, you know, gracing everyone in this country for, you know, dunking on Frederick Weiss in 2000. So, I mean, it was unlike a team that we had normally seen. And so many other times, so many other opportunities, these guys would come out of the woodworks and be like, yeah, I'm going to go play. Yeah, I'm going to play. This is going to be cool. And, yeah, the FIFA thing isn't the world, isn't the, the Olympics, but it's still an international tournament. And whereas a lot of people will say, well, we don't got to send our best for that, that's a very slippery slope. Because if we don't send our best for the World Cup, and the rest of the world we've already seen has not caught up, but is inching closer to the U.S. when it comes to basketball every year. I mean, it, when we look at you know Spain and Argentina over the last couple Olympics and co- last couple tournaments, but even even um, like teams like Latvia with Kristaps Porzingis and a few other players like that, uh, teams where uh, Joker Novak Djokovic is at. Uh, it's just, it's hard to just say that we can send anybody. That's my point. It's hard to say we can just send whoever and we're going to be fine. I mean, Team Canada is right around the corner. I don't know about you, but Team Canada has like, their whole squad is NBA players. So 
and not like just random NBA players. Yes, Andrew Wiggins, in a lot of ways, I believe Andrew Wiggins is a bum. But at the same time, on, a, on an international stage, Andrew Wiggins is going to definitely give you like 28 points a game on an international stage. He has talent. But he just hasn't been able to put that talent together in the NBA. But even just that, they I mean, you, you got R.J. Barrett coming on that team. And, yes, I'm a Nick. And, yes, I'm a little bit biased about that when it comes to the Canadian national team. But still, you got a lot of top flight players that could potentially be on that Canadian national team. And it's like, oh, so we're not going to send our best players. But other countries are going to have their best players. And now it's starting to create a, a rift and an issue because, I mean, Jamal Murray, Kelly Olenek, and, and some of these guys are actually pretty solid players. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. These are some legitimate players in the NBA that can come and cause issues at an international stage if we don't bring our best. And now I'm not expecting to like LeBron to play in FIBA, but Anthony Davis can, and, and James Harden potentially could. But I think uh, something that's really coming out of this is that a lot of these guys are trying to get ready for this NBA season where it's going to be so much parity. And this is going to take up too much time. I believe the tournament is in September from like the 1st until the 16th. And then the season starts at the end of October, I want to say. So you got a lot of stuff going on. That's a lot of basketball you got to be playing, not just for your team. You're missing out on opportunities to train, missing out on opportunities to get, make sure your body is tight and your body is all set for the season that's really your job, on top of the fact that you don't really get paid for this either. Um, but like I said, I I think it creates a slippery slope when these guys turn down some of these torn, some of these international tournaments because, yeah, we don't want to have to always send our best. We get it. We're the best country when it comes to basketball it's it's been shown for a very long time now it's been showed for almost three decades um that we're the best when it comes to basketball and we have been the best if we're dating all the way back to when college players were there we have been the best at basketball so i get it it, it it's not an issue with that but i just don't want to create an opportunity for some of these other countries to take a little bit of momentum leading into some of these olympic tournaments because that's where you know the the rubber meets the road you know, kind of saying comes into effect here because that's where it really matters. Going to these international tournaments and these FIBA tournaments and everything like that, yes, I get it. It's nice. We should send some of our better players. But if nobody goes, we've seen what happens when nobody goes. 2004 is an example of what happens when nobody goes. And if that happens here in the upcoming Olympics, if not this one that's coming up next year, but in 2024 and so on, if we don't start sending our best to these international tournaments and acting like this isn't just a regular all-star game and saying like, hey, look, we still got to keep up on the rest of the world because they're going to catch up to us. We might be looking at a very similar situation that we saw in 2004 where we're caught in a game that is not a gold medal game and we're now playing for the bronze medal and all hell will break loose. And like I said, touching on Bradley Beal really quick, uh, he did get offered a three-year, uh, $111 million extension, which <sighs> Bradley Beal is a is an interesting, interesting character to me because Bradley Beal, everyone loves his game. And I've seen Bradley Beal play in person. One of the only basketball games I've, I've actually, pro basketball games I've actually gone to in person uh, was a Wizards game against the Blazers. I got to see Bradley Beal, John Wall, 
uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard. Like it was a it was a cool game to go to. It was a cool regular season to go to. And Bradley Beal is a two time All Star. He's coming off his best season uh, a year ago, where he did he had a he had a career high in points. He had a career high in um, it was a career high in points, career high in actually all all across the board, career high in steals, career high in points, career high in rebounds and assists. And you know he he did shot forty seven, but basically forty seven and a half percent from the field. So he had a solid year, but. If I'm him, I hesitate, and he has been, you know, he's offered and nothing's been finalized, uh, and from everything that I've read, it says that he's going to mull over basically what he needs to do here if he's going to take the extension or not. He's up for a Supermax next year. If he gets, uh, if he makes the All-Star team this year, he's up for the Supermax. I believe the difference is about $120 million. I believe if he doesn't make the All-Star team, he's up for a contract, uh, new contract next year at about $140, $130 million. But if he takes the Supermax, it jumps up. At, takes the Supermax after making the All-Star team, it jumps up to like $250 um, and, or $230. And that's a nice little chunk of change. So my issue with Bradley Beal is I don't think Bradley Beal is a player that can be built around. And I think the Wizards are trying to do that. The Wizards already know that they've kind of, you know... <laughs> Uh, really not done something good here when it comes to John Wall. It, it it sucks. They have the crappy John Wall contract. No one wants to take that contract. But when it comes to uh, Bradley Beal, they might want to try and build a around Bradley Beal. And I don't think Bradley Beal is a player that you can build around the NBA and win. Do I think he's a nice player? Yes. Do I think he's a good uh, a good pro? Of course. But I put Bradley Beal in the same kind of conversation, I put somebody like a, a Kemba Walker. And I love Kemba Walker. If you're in Connecticut, if you and I grew up here in Connecticut, Kemba Walker is as close to a basketball icon as we have in the state. Kemba Walker, uh, Ray Allen, Danielle Marshall from the men's side. I can go, I can just, you know, get the Rolodex when it comes to uh, the women's team and just pick a random name and she's going to be a, a, a legend in Connecticut because the women's team is so great up there at UConn. But Kemba Walker in the NBA has proven to be somebody that can be a, the best player on a team, but it's not going to really amount to much. You're going to be a seven seed, eight seed, miss the playoffs. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see him in Boston this year because now he actually has people around him that you could maybe do something with. Again, I'm not expecting the Celtics to win the championship, but maybe he goes to the playoffs. And that's what I think you get if you build around Bradley Beal. Now, if Kemba Walker goes to a better team, if Bradley Beal goes to a better team, i.e. the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, the 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 Rockets, a, a team that has other players around them that can potentially turn into a championship team if they add one more piece, then that's that's what I think they are. I think those players like that are potentially playoff uh, championship winning pieces where it's like you come in, you're the third guy on the team, you drop 18, 20 points a game, and boom, that's what we need from you forever. And you can go on the best team, a, a, a lesser team, be the star, drop 28 points a game, drop 26 points, 27 points a game, get to the first round, maybe the second round of the playoffs, and you do that for four or five years. And, hey, if that's what you want your career to be, then fine. But if you want to actually have a, an opportunity to play for a championship, then get your butt to an actual contender. And the Wizards already are not even a contender now in the Eastern Conference. They're so far behind on what they need to do and they're getting they're gonna get slammed with this John Wall contract and then and really for the next what two, three years, three, four years they're getting slammed with this John Wall contract. So if I'm Bradley Bill, I can understand him mulling it over because it is. It's it's a really crappy situation that he finds himself in. It really is. It's a it's a tough situation he finds himself in, but also it's a situation where 
if he takes the money in the contract extension, then hey, I'm a Washington Wizard. I I'm I'm here. Let's let's see what we can do. And outside of getting the number one pick and getting some some crazy new superstar that's coming in either the league or being able to attract free agents, Giannis is going to be a free agent next season. I don't believe he's leaving um, Milwaukee. But unless you can do something like that, Washington is not going to be a destination place. And if I'm Bradley Beal, I don't know if I take the extension. I think I play the season out. See if I can get the super max, and then I go from there. But we're gonna see what he does. Uh, Washington definitely wants him to stay, or else they wouldn't have offered this, offered him this extension, three years, hundred and eleven million dollars. But like I said, if I'm Bradley Beal, I play out the season. I got two years left on my contract. I play out the season. I see if I can get the super max. So at the very least, I get the super max from either them or, and really, I gotta try and get the super max from them. So that's really what I look at it as. And I don't, I don't know if Bradley Beal is the type of player that you can win with by himself so and the last thing i wanted to touch on here today guys and i mean like i said it's it's degree of difficulty aaron johnson it's really a chill monday it's a, it's a monday you know coming off the scorching heat from this weekend and keeping it light training camps opening up in the nfl and so I wanted to touch on uh, one last thing that just came over. I wasn't going to talk about it today, but it came up, I want to say, like 30 minutes before I did this. And it's Tim Duncan returning to the NBA. Tim Duncan returning to the NBA. He's going to be a coach on Greg Popovich's staff. And I think it's pretty cool for, for T, Tim Duncan to get back. I mean, Tim Duncan, in all intents and purposes, in a lot of ways, is considered the greatest power forward of all time. Now, that opens the argument that I have with a lot of people, Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan, I believe, in my era, the two best power forwards that I've ever seen. And it's tough to say that because there have been so many great power forwards. But when it comes to ones that I've seen, those are the two I go with. And they both won their championships. Boston probably wins two if KG doesn't get hurt that one year. Uh, they probably win that year, too. So there's some some give and pull with that. But it's good to see Tim Duncan back on the bench. He's going to be, you know, playing uh, coaching, I should say, under Greg Popovich. And, I mean, Pop is Pop is on his way out, man. It's sad to see because it's, it's like the end of an era. They, who they're Who's going to be the next great, like, bulldog coach? Is it Eric Spolstra? Like, come on. And it, it's it's tough to see uh, Pop, you know, the, the the Spurs are not a shell of themselves with what they were, but the Spurs aren't the Spurs like we knew. Spurs aren't, I said, they, they, they haven't won 50 games, I think, in the last two years. And that's, like, weird because they won 50 games from, like, 1998 until, like I said, like two years ago. And Tim Duncan was a big reason for that. So him being on the bench is going to be going to be nice to see. It's going to be pretty cool to have him there. And I, hopefully that, that helps the Spurs kind of, you know, move up the standings a little bit. They're going to be one of those teams that it might take a little bit of a backslide because of some of the up-and-coming teams like the Kings and, and maybe even the Warriors drop back a little bit. Well, the Warriors will drop back a little bit, but still be in that – positioning and where it's like six seven the west is so doggone tough man it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard but either way number 21 he's not gonna be wearing number 21 but number 21 is gonna be gracing the sidelines one more time out there in san antonio so that's gonna be a cool thing and i just wanted to touch on that one more time before i get out of here so that's gonna do it all for me uh like i said i like to keep it short sweet you know short sweet to the point 
Uh, it's a Monday anyway, and I haven't eaten, so I'm gonna have to run home and like get food because my head is starting to hurt. <laughs> but uh, really quick, guys, it's gonna be really, really cool. I appreciate you rocking with me as always. Get this podcast uh, on. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts. We are on uh, Spotify. Spotify has been like our big one. Everyone keep listening on Spotify. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, subscribe, share, like, all that good stuff. One last quick announcement coming up on Wednesday. Uh, like I've been saying for the last couple of episodes on Wednesday, we are going to have Mike Mallory come on. Mike Mallory, a uh, guy I used to cover back at uh, in college at Southern Connecticut State University in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And Mike is the all-time leading scorer in SCSU history and the all-time leading scorer in any 10, Northeast 10 conference history. And, I mean, this dude was a beast. Uh, he plays right now overseas out in Bosnia, I want to say. I got to double check with that with him. But I believe he plays over in Bosnia. And uh, he's been a pro for about three years. Going to talk to him a little bit about what the lifestyle is like, uh, being a professional, living overseas. Uh, Going to touch on some stuff back from when we were in college. Uh, I think I believe I graduated like a year or two before Mike did. So I didn't get a chance to see him break the record because uh, I was already out of school and looking for jobs. And being a broke college kid or college graduate, I should say. <laughs> but uh, no, Mike's a really cool cat and I'm excited to have him come on here and uh, just kind of chop it up with me a little bit. Talk about some of the things that he's done, uh, some of the stuff he's continued to do and just how did he get that jumper so smooth? Because boy, was that... Man, that Jimmy was so doggone smooth. <laughs> I can't even lie. That jumper he had was so smooth. So as, I'm looking forward to having Mike come on. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, I, again, as always, baby, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you uh, rocking with me. And uh, I'll be back on Wednesday to chop it up with Mike Mallory. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys their night. Everybody enjoys their, their tomorrow. Be safe. And uh, this is Degree of Difficulty. <laughs>